Hello, hello, hello. There you, we are. My level's good. My level's good. It's perfect. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Publish, Perish or Podcast, your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see when science wants to retire. I'm Andy Stapleton and joining me today are Christopher Teabag Gibson. Namaste, BA. Namaste, Schmoopy. And Cameron Schmoopster That's Dr. Cameron Shearer and <laughs> good results to you, Chris, and good editor's comments or maybe good... Page views, Andy. Oh, page yeah. views. There Actually, what do, what does, what's your metric at the moment? My metric is customer feedback. So good customer feedback. Good customer feedback, Andy. Thank you, mm. Dr. Cameron Schmerper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it gets worse. Uh, all right. When do you want to retire, Gibbo? Come when on. do I retire? Yeah. Well, I'd love to retire tomorrow. When, all right. When, see ya. When, when will I retire? When I'm about 90. Yeah. <laughs> How's your nest end like, looking? <laughs> not healthy enough. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to retire at 90, yeah. Do you reckon you want to retire? Would you retire early? What would you do with that time? If, if I had the money yep. stashed away, yep. um, I would probably retire early, I think, if I could. What yeah. would you do? Uh, look, I think a little bit of some kind of work is a good thing. I'd maybe be a gentleman scientist. What, does, what on earth does you, that mean? You're going to go back to the 1500s <laughs> and discover gravity. No, he's just going to do science with a monocle. <laughs> so uh, when, when I was going through, which is a long time ago, you would get the odd scientist who would have sort of adjunct status and they'd sort of rock in every, you know, one or two days uh, a fortnight. Right. Still publish the odd paper or two every now and then just do it for the old enjoyment. That was really it. And there's no pressure on them scientists. at all. My my old boss was a bit like that. Gross. Yeah. Uh, Schmoopster, retirement, is that even anything you think of, mate? You little young whippersnapper, you? I have been recently. I spent the long weekend, two weekends ago, at someone's hobby farm. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They, they've retired to a farm. Nice. 15 acres. and That's like six <laughs> football fields. Yeah. That'll do. Okay, it's pretty big, good. but it's you can guess. see yeah, you can see it well. all the way around. Like the, it's not beyond uh, the horizon anywhere. Yeah, right. Okay, that's cool. Good, very good. What do you think? Uh, and so I would like to retire to some kind of small farm. Mate, farmstead. all you're doing is what my brother did when we were growing up: is that he would go on a plane and be like, "I want to be a pilot," and then he'd like go watch some <laughs> wrestling. He's like, "I want to be a wrestler." Now you've gone to a hobby farm. You're like, "I'm going to go to a hobby farm." Next week you'll do some other hobby and you'll want to do that. Is that a problem? No, that's fine. Good, because that's what I'm Just- doing. <laughs> so, what was it about the hobby farm that you particularly liked? Oh, I just like the idea of just having little jobs to do all the time. So I like doing the gardening here. Yeah. And so if I could do some kind of big garden or like a big garden, like <laughs> a which massive is a farm. garden. <laughs> which, yeah. yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'd probably like, I'd hate to have to do little jobs all the time. <laughs> I'd like to do no jobs all the time. All right, we know what you're doing in retirement. Um, what do we think science, Gibbo? You whoa, can't whoa, whoa, say whoa. science wouldn't retire. Whoa, whoa. What? What about you? Oh, me? Yeah. yeah good. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, Looking no out for me. Yeah. Um, I am on my path to financial uh, independence, retire early. That's my mission. Yeah. Is, it's called FIRE, F-I-R-E. So, yeah, financial independence, retire early. And <laughs> oh, the only way that's going to happen 
is if verbalize.science or another venture is successful because um, that's that's all I've got at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's You can do it with a job and you blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I, look, I want to retire early. I want to have to not worry about money so that I can do... I don't think I would be a lazy retiree, mm-hmm. but I would have to have hobbies, like whether that be Samba or more communication stuff. Essentially, anything where I'm the center of attention. Mm, very good. Very good. Yeah. I think you have to do something is what I hear. People yeah. say you should do something to keep the body and the mind active. So, yeah. we all have to find something to do. Yeah. yeah. Good. And, and we both have plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't really do I. No. no. Sort it out for next time. Um, what do we think science would do? And don't say science wouldn't retire. Science retires. Every, everything retires. We're almost in the point where science retires. Thanks very much, Trump. So, for science to retire. So, science. Can science retire? Can science end? Yes. Let's say science retires in its current form how about that and then a new young type of science comes in and take it no 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 science is science you can't have a young type of science come along i guess science would probably um evolve and go into a new dimension that's fine that's that's a good answer create another universe probably yeah fine (laughs) hold on am i talking about science or god Same same difference. Yeah, no, it would probably evolve in and go into another dimension and and do some new stuff there with new laws of physics and whatever. So that means science wouldn't exist in our dimension anymore, and we'd be left with you. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, fine. Schmoopster. Yeah, similar line. Maybe science will retire when the big crunch occurs, and oh, then science okay. as we know it will no longer will no longer be the same. Yeah, right. And he's reborn. And so- as a new science. Well, I'm not sure. we don't know what will happen after the big crunch. Perhaps but will there the big be a big bang. crunch? I thought the latest theories were that the universe could just keep expanding forever, so there won't be a crunch. Well, maybe at the big flattening out when everything's so far apart, there's the no big, the big chill. Of, the big chill. Yeah, no do you know what really? So that's what it's, because big chill. because it's accelerating, right? The or that's how it would viewpoint from you know from our point of view. Uh, or from our reference point. But they were saying that there'll be a moment where you look up into the sky and see no stars. Yep. And you would have to rely on texts and photos that we leave behind to see, to actually believe that there was once stars in the sky. That's scary. So if you yeah. lived on a planet like that, you would have no way of knowing what the universe was about. No. How would you ever know? Well, without you, anything to observe? They'd, they'd listen to this podcast, but which if, we're going to preserve in record, diamonds. Let's just, let's just assume that civilizations rise and fall. And that ours is gone. <laughs> and, and they would have no idea. They would have no idea. And my question is this. Are we in a similar situation? What? Was there something else going on and things have changed so much now that we'll just never observe that? That's Take a that. Think about that. Yeah, I will. Andy, your opinion? Science uh, would retire, but it would be the sort of retired person that ha- makes excuses to go back in the lab. <laughs> so like... So it would never retire. It, well, no, it would be like, yeah. I'm retired. And then it would be like, oh, I'm just popping in to see I happen uh, to be here today. It would become a gentle scientist. It would be a gentle scientist. <laughs> My dad retired. Yeah. And then about six months later, he took a job which paid more than his previous job, but he had to move to an island in the Pacific Ocean for a year and a half. It's not so bad, is it? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's kind of impressive. I love that. I love the fact that, yeah, it's just doing what you know in a lovely place. Oh, it's, it was a, it's a third world country. Oh, shit. Why'd he go there? I, I'm imagining him on like a <laughs> beach somewhere just drinking cocktails and like occasionally doing work. Science could find a third world universe and say, all right, I'm going to set That's up shop true. here and, and, and let's get some laws going. That's cool. Some laws of nature going. Did yeah. he enjoy his time there? 
You ask him next time he walks past your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oi, mister. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> I dread this. I dread it. Oh, God. It's got a weird texture to it. Oh, this is horrible. It's news of the week. That'll be an edit from me. Nope, no, no, <laughs> no edits. No edits for that bit. No you, edits on your you intros. cheeky little boy. <laughs> keep that bit, keep that bit. Um, <laughs> Shmoopster, I, P-poppers, I'm not going to have any news because uh, I want to give these guys some room. Six days since we recorded last, so yeah. not, not a lot to talk about. Uh, Lauren's going well. We're not going to do the science of pregnancy superpowers this week because it's break. just been six days. Yeah, it's got to give her a break. Um, so twenty weeks pregnant, she's wow. going well. Uh, everything's going great. Brilliant, good to hear it. Last episode, I spoke about having a meeting forthcoming with a big wig Ooh. at a funding from a funding oh, yeah. agency. That's right. that's right. And you were like, what? And that's when you put all of the equipment into one lab to yes. make it look impressive. <laughs> yes, and all the people as well. Well, actually, for some reason, I was the only one around oh, on that day. Oh, that's oh, weird. That's, yeah. You should have had, yeah, that's Your co-workers should be absolutely chastised oh, for that. So it doesn't matter. Nothing but will happen. They seemed quite impressed with Good. the presentation. Um, hmm. And we had uh, an industry liaison person from the... From the university there, so they were good to kind of cut through our science speak and say it in plain English, that which is I think so, was quite good. Well, that's interesting that that happens. I'd never heard of like real-time, on-the-fly uh, translation. So you'd say complicated science things and he'd interpret it yeah. in a much and, simpler way. And he would be like, think of a balloon bursting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like eating cheese, but not. <laughs> and, and so the, 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 the simplifications were pretty good. They were fairly accurate. I never corrected anything. Okay. Uh, Out of politeness? It was, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Oh, that's good. Uh, but, I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing that you guys didn't warn me about was uh, I got introduced to this person and we went for a handshake. Oh, no. How did you handshake? We didn't do a very good handshake. Oh, that's yeah. You can't so you can't come back from that. We did one of these handshakes, which Wet. I which I no. You know I have very dry hands. <laughs> we did one of these handshakes where he grabbed onto my hand too soon. <laughs> what is that? That yeah. happens to me a lot. Am I maybe Are you I'm a, a slow goer? I must be a slow enterer yeah. into the handshake. <laughs> yeah. So which part of the hand did he grab then? So he's grabbed a high knuckle. Yo, mate. Oh, the old high knuckle. <laughs> at, at that point, he could transition to kissing your like yeah. your hand. <laughs> you should have turned your hand 90 degrees and he could have kissed it like the queen. Yeah. That that would have worked. Uh, why didn't you tell me this last Sorry, week? Man. Well, yeah, just force it up to his face and be like, kiss it. Yeah, and so I... I, I like in in awkward situations like this. I am often a person who would just point out like the awkwardness. <laughs> oh, that's a bad handshake. Sorry, about <laughs> sorry about that rubbish hand. But I held it completely within myself, and I said, "Good, good to meet you." Look at them in the eye, etc., etc., etc. And he's but, thinking, "I've just grabbed this poor people <laughs> person's fingertips." But I was thrown. I, I never recovered yeah. for the next hour and a half. Yeah. Bad handshake, bad start. 
what do I, what do I need? I think I just need to go in and just grab him by the thumb. <laughs> I think you need to find this guy and apologize to him. Yeah. <laughs> Send him some emails, track him down. Yeah. Chase so, him as I'm he walks so, down the street. So sorry about that handshake. <laughs> Look, Smoopy, I apologize for not preparing you adequately for the handshake, but I had, I, I really thought you had this down pat now. How many hands do you reckon you've shook? <laughs> Well, so I'm shaking. a sportsman, so I'm I'm yes. shaking hands. You're shaking hands all the time. Like I'm 20 times a week. Wow, well, you're shaking more than the yeah. average person. Basketball, yeah. you shake before and after the match. Lord, Ooh, sweaty. Lord, Lord. you yeah. should have this down pat now. Yeah. So, and how are those interactions? Well, they're okay, but some of them do like cool type handshakes, and then that always throws me as well. Oh, mm. I had so this they might go for the yeah. the fingers up type handshake Whoa. as what? opposed to the fingers perpendicular. Oh. What monster does that? That's crazy, mate. It happens. Do you know what? Now in the world, whenever I go, I, I was meeting up with a, a guy that I'd met. He was an entrepreneur, and he was like, "Let's meet up." I was like, "Sure." And he went for the weirdest high angle I've ever seen. Oh, power and move handshake. Like a power, yeah, but like he was, <laughs> it, it was like a high five, but a shake. But I think maybe. Are you supposed to, so your hand is up. Yeah. Are you supposed to clasp interlocking it's fingers a, in that situation? Do you know what? Like we kind of just, we, we did a high five that I decided to grasp <laughs> so maybe he just wanted to be like spunk okay like that was a high five by the way like okay like hi let's go but i was like this you're a professional person i'm a professional person this is not appropriate yeah. we're not 13 we're not, yeah and yeah. so it's like we're and i just grabbed no his time. hand and yeah. we kind of did like a you know like when someone just wins a boxing match and the yeah, ref like yeah, holds yeah. his, and I kind of just did that to him. We're the winners. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you talk about it, or you just awkwardly let no, it go? No, you just let it go. What was she going to say? Like, oh, let's run that again. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, Schmoopster, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. But apart from that, at all, you said it went pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we are. I am very happy with how it went. Good. I'm good. just. I hope that I'm not remembered forever as the guy who only very slowly places their hand into <laughs> another person's hand for a handshake. All right. Um, I, uh, definitely my fault. Definitely my fault. Not yeah, the okay. head of a... Well, that's good. You're owning up to it. That's good. That's good. Um, P-poppers, if any of you have shaken our hands and it is not up to par, yeah. let us know. Yeah. And, we, and we want an immediate mulligan. That's where you get to go again, Andy. Okay, yeah. Thank right. you very much. For I'll that shake anyone's hand in the corridor who says I haven't given them a good handshake in the past. You've heard it here first. I'll do it again. Poppers. I'll do it again. Gibbo. Oh, <laughs> what me? about you, mate? Little old me. Yeah. Well, look, it, it's only been six days, but of course, I've got massive news. Massive news. Massive news. So massive. here we go. First, first little taster of news. Ooh. Flinders University had Springfest. Wait. On the weekend, what do you guys know what Spring is? Fest no is? Spring what does that mean? It sounds like a lame thing. Never heard of it myself either. It's it's kind of a family day for kids, uh, and you go up to the university and they have liquid nitrogen ice cream and oh, all yeah. these little stalls and things like that. Yeah, and you can make a cubby house out of sticks and hessian bags and things like that. So we took wow. the kids up and we had a great time. Oh, good. We had a great time. We went and saw the paleo labs, which I never knew existed. Yeah, in the biology department. Yeah. It's and just loads of really skinny people eating nuts. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, like the paleo it's, diet. It's a diet uh, joke. Very, uh, ha, ha, ha. Get, get used to this, Schmoopster. You'll be doing family days. Yeah, yeah. You need to pay very close Come attention. On, listen to what, to what works. Uh, Keelan asked a really cool question because in the paleo lab they showed bones of animals and yeah. stuff like that. And he asked the question. He said, 
Was the animal a good climber? And I thought that's a great question from a little four-year-old. That man. is. So very proud of him. Any well, answer? Uh, the answer was, yeah, the marsupial lion was a great climber. Wow. Ooh, yeah, take that. There you go. Now, that's a little taster, Ooh. but big, big news. It, it feels like it's been a while, quite a while for this news, okay. but we've got paper accepted. Yay! Ooh. So it's me and Schmoopy are on this paper. Hang it's, on. What, uh, did you? You didn't think about adding me? Uh, no, you really did nothing for this one. No, no, but like that's kind of the point, isn't it? <laughs> That's why people get on papers these days. I, I apologise, oh, man. I'm next really one, sorry. come on. Next one, next one. So this is a chapter out of Ash Slattery's thesis. Uh, submitted and accepted in the journal Nanomaterials Impact Factor 3.504. Wow. How long ago did Ash oh, graduate? So, so th- this is kind of connected to our topic. Uh, this this co- comes out of, a like I said, a chapter of thesis from he finished 2016, 2015. Okay. But the so, work would have been years before oh, that. Oh, years before that even. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So this is all right, well, uh, a resurrection of data. Yeah. Do you know what? I see on Twitter all the time, like I follow like a lot of scientists now because of herbalize.science, but I always see like, this is from my whatever, like my master's or honors year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like only like, Five or six years in the making. It can take a long time. Didn't you have one this year as well come out? Probably. I don't check anymore. Uh, You still keep getting sites. Anyway, um, and that is really my news. Gibbo. That's it. That's it for me. There you go. Oh, it's Gibbo. He's so skinny. Is that Gibbo or is that a skinny Gibbo? I'm not sure who it is. Is it Gibbo? Look, he smells the same. Mm, It's me. So, last week. Yep. 105.1. Yep. Today, yep. 8th of the 10th, 2018, yep. I'm dragging it out, uh, 105.2. All right, you've gone up. Small uptick. It's only six days and we're recording on an off day. This is a Monday. Yeah, yeah. so you're yeah. out of sync. You're famously lighter on a Tuesday. I am, I am. That's <laughs> no, the way I cycle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the way, it's the way it works. Okay, So good. I would have starved all, all day yes, all day tomorrow and not drunk anything, so yeah, I probably well, would have been half a kilo lighter. I believe in you. I feel like this is just a tiny blip. Yep, I need a haircut and I wore my heavy trousers today. Oh, you and did And heavy as well. socks yep. so, and my heavy shoes, yep. my heavy shirt. Yep. So, yeah, bummer. Anyway, so yeah, look, don't get despondent, listeners. I promise weight will keep coming down. It's time for Topic of the Day. Topic of the Day. Topic of the Day. Yes. Perfect. Did you yeah? I of course I yeah. <laughs> you guys Did got you so, yeah? You guys Did got you so yeah? angry last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't think you put all of it into that yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> Are you telling me you couldn't put more into that yeah? Um. Yeah, I suppose I could. <laughs> uh, so the topic for the day, I'm going to hand to Christopher T. Bag Gibson to what? introduce our topic. It's up to little old me to sort this out. Little old you, and, not little. Um, and and make you this the best topic. You can't call yourself little if you put 100, on weight. Hundred grams, <laughs> killing me. All right, topic: writing up old work and getting it published. Maybe years old and may not even be your own data. How to do it and advice on what to do. All right. So we're talking about some some research. Are we talking about research that you always were knew was going to be published or research that you've mined further because you're panicked about not producing enough papers this year? Yeah, it's a it look, it's a combi- <laughs> it's a combination of the two. It's both. And yeah. and I'd say nearly all of us have probably had this where 
you've got some big primary papers that have come out of your PhD, for example. Yeah. But you've got little bits of work that you probably never really quite finished or were kind of interesting but wasn't enough to write up into a full-blown paper at the time. Time has elapsed, time has gone on, and now you're like, I would really, really like to write that up to give myself some extra papers. Yeah. yeah. Or there could be some element of guilt. Like, I promised this person I'd write oh, it up yeah. and That's I never got one. around to doing it. Never yeah. thought about that. Hang on, That's have I promised true. you guys any papers? Loads, loads. Yeah, yeah you've got three or four, you owe me. Yeah, yeah. all right, you. I'll get on to it. Yeah, good. And so, I mean, or it can even be an honours thesis as well. Yeah. It's definitely happened before. So the, the but the pressure to publish comes from a pretty horrible place in these in all oh. of these scenarios, which is I I feel guilty. I owe someone something. I am panicking because I need papers this yeah. year. So yeah. are, we, well, are we mining quality data yeah, still? We, we haven't mentioned that the world needs to know this information, have we? No, no not at all. No, not at all. That's right. This is often in in these <laughs> situations. If the data was absolutely amazing and incredible, you'd have written it up before. Yeah. Right. So this is this is scraping the barrel of data. Look, a little bit. Just a little bit. All right. But there is a skill, I think, into turning that dross into gold and getting it published in a decent journal. You're not selling it to me, yeah. Gibbo. <laughs> I think gold's probably a bit rich. Uh, yeah. Turning it into... Uh, Aluminium? <laughs> yeah. Keep going down. Um, What's a shit metal than <laughs> aluminium? Yeah, lead. But, you know, and, and, and this is a way to get extra publications. And you're absolutely right. The, the reason this usually happens in these situations is because people are desperate to publish. Yeah. And I'm one of those desperados. All right. Fill us in. Um, so what do you do and how do you get the thing written? I've got a little bit of experience of this now because I've had to write quite a few papers. That's right. So your news today was about Ash Lattery's yeah, this paper. Yeah, this was data from Ash's thesis that was um, interesting data, pretty good. But it never got written up as a paper. And, you know, you might say that, you know, if things had been a bit more interesting, it might have been taken a little bit further. Yeah. But there was enough data there, I thought, to turn into a publication. And that's exactly what's happened on two or three occasions now. Mm. So the first bit of advice I would give is give that, that chapter, that thesis, or whatever it is, that section of a thesis, give it to someone who's objective get them to read it and get their honest opinion on whether this is worthy to report. So in this scenario, this is a dedicated chapter. And so it's kind of already meant to be a, a self-contained bit of work. Yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But for whatever reason, it never got written up. Yep. Give this to someone to read who you trust and who is objective and who isn't just going to say, because a lot of people might just go, oh yeah, absolutely fine. No As worries. long as you put my name on the paper. If my name's on it, that's fine. Who did you do this with? Uh, Smoopy. Oh, he trusts you, Schmoopster. Who's objective? Not you. Uh, your name's on the paper, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I trusted him to give me his honest opinion. Well, I'm not going to give him my... My opinion isn't free. <laughs> um, and, and he was right because they turned, yeah. they turned into papers. Yeah, so, yeah. So it worked out really well. So I got, I got Schmoopy's opinion. And based on that, I, was, I felt more confident. I felt like, all right, if I can, if I can get Schmoopy to believe this is worthy of reporting and getting published then I think this is worth spending my time on. You don't want to spend your time wasting your time essentially on data that's not going to get published. Work clever, not harder. Oh, I like that. Very good. So that's the first bit of advice I would um, say. The next thing is be realistic about where it's going to go. All right. What journal are you going to send it to? So Nature. If- 
Yeah, that's <laughs> always nature. Start nature, work your way down. That's the game, right? That That's not the way I play it with this sort of work. Um, I'm so aiming for something realistic. It's interesting that you're saying that like this sort of, like, there's already a line in the sand where it's like, you're right. If it had already, if it was super important, it would already have been published. Yeah. And you would have been excited. It would have been out. Mm. So you're accepting that this is of lower quality. It's it, it's 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 on average probably of lower quality than other data that's in the thesis. And what do you what do we mean by quality? That the results are less compelling, or what? Or maybe the experiments weren't quite as detailed. Okay. All right. So what often happens in a thesis is an avenue of research might be explored. But it might turn into be a somewhat of a dead end. But in that research is something interesting to report. Yeah. And yeah. then another technique may have been developed or something else has been followed through to the to the absolute bitter end. So someone said to me, something to me the other time about how my field of study at the time, nanotech and materials and whatever else I was doing, you can report on even things that didn't work. Mm. Because it's there's all you always collect data, whether that data fits a hypothesis or not, doesn't really matter if there's some story you can tell. You fix the narrative later. Yeah, kind of. Whereas in uh, organic chemistry, I think the person was in that I was speaking to, like sometimes things literally go nowhere and you can't publish zero, like it did not work, right? I know. So you're saying it is possible to publish negative results, essentially? We've it's, kind of talked about no, that. Well, it's, no, it's not possible to create a compelling enough of a, of a story to have published mm. in say organic chemistry where you are looking for that like yes mm. it did work or it didn't but for some fields like ours there is a little bit of okay. uh manipulation that sounds like we're trying to like pull the wool over someone's eyes but there is some a narrative you can extract even from data that you didn't think had value Ooh, at the time. that's nice a narrative you can extract thanks yeah. um so yeah and I, I mean a really good example was one we published last year where Ash's thesis was concerned with, I mean, this is a bit by the by, but attaching nanotubes to AFM tips. Yeah, hey, I know, did some of that. You did some of that. So one of the, one of the techniques he explored proved to be reasonably successful, yep. but he came up with a much better technique, and that was the one that he followed through. Now, mm. the other one that didn't work quite so well did produce results that were worth reporting yeah. because other people might want to use that technique, maybe not for AFM tips, but for other things as well. Yep. And we know other people are trying to do it all the time, so... Yeah. If they knew that someone had already done it this way and it worked okay, they could save themselves some time. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you, you know, you have to you have to look at it fairly dispassionately and think: Is this something that's going to be useful to people? Therefore, worth reporting. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is be realistic about whether you're going to be able to do any more experiments. Oh, because people get excited. No. Well, and the answer is always no. Yeah. So this is the case. Well, so, not if you don't have to, because the reviewers could say. But that's Do what I'm more. thinking about. What if the reviewer comes back and says, oh, wouldn't it be great if you did a few more experiments? Now, on the very latest one, I actually did some more experiments. Oh, you superstar. But I was able to do it because it was kind of external to uh, the main thrust of what Ash had worked on. Main thrust. There you go. Uh, but ultimately, you have to be honest with yourself. And f for a big chunk of the work we just submitted and a couple of the other papers, there's no way we're going to be able to do any more. The only way we could do is if there was little bits of uh, you know, experiments around the edges that were still possible. Mm. Um, but ultimately, most of the time, you're not going to be able to do it. I mean, if the data is years old and you've moved away from the institution where you did it, it's not going to happen. Mm. So you have to keep that in mind when you're writing the paper. You have to keep that in mind that probably if a reviewer comes back and says, why don't you do a bit more work on this or you a bit more work on that? No. What are you going to say? Now, what's the old chestnut that we like to drag out in those situations, Smoopy? 
not part of the scope of this manuscript. <laughs> What's un- what, that's, that's, that is one of the chestnuts. There's another chestnut we like to throw out there, future work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old future work. So there's a couple of techniques you can use to get around sort of questions like that. Yeah. But the best thing is, in, in my opinion, is, you know, if you're going to put data in the, in the thesis and it's not, it's not, you know, thorough enough, it's not detailed enough, and you're going to get loads of questions on it, why does it need to be in there? Mm. Just because it's one interesting experiment you did once and never repeated, why do it again? I mean, why, why keep reporting it if you're just going to get pulled up by a reviewer? Mm. So I would be very careful about that sort of thing. Um, next thing, make sure you get all the data from the person who did the experiments. And obviously, if, it, if you've done them, make sure you've got multiple copies of the data. Yeah. Be prepared to have to go through other people's data. I'm not sure anyone could actually ever go through my old data. I think that's really bad, isn't it? Well, the way the way Ash had actually titled a lot of his files, I could kind of work out what was going on based on the, um, the folder names Did and the titles. Did you ever use his lab book? Uh, no, I didn't use his lab book. It's weird. What about you? Have you ever been in a situation, Smoopy, where... Looking, looking through someone else's lab book? I've, I've never used a lab book. Like when Rakesh, oh, my old... I use mine all the time. But someone else's... No. Like, so Rakesh uh, was someone I worked with. He left and I was like, oh, I wonder if this data is useful. And I just used his file structuring system. You can kind of work it out. Mm -hmm. Like the lab book, even though it's meant to be such an important thing in science, I've never never found it that useful because it's just a scribblings of a (laughs) madman. No, it was was good. I mean, and the other thing that's really important is, is if at all possible, you know, maintain contact with the person whose data you're writing about. Yeah. If it's not your own. And luckily, you know, Ash is still in Adelaide, so I could call him up and contact him and, and hey, chat to Ash. him about. We had to get, we, I had to go through some of his data and find some extra data to answer reviewers' comments. Yeah. And luckily, we were able to do that. And it, it did actually substantially improve the paper. So that was actually really good. Oh, you've got to say that. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> so the other, only other thing I would say is obviously, publishing is good. You get another publication. Um, you know, it's getting data out there that other people might find useful, but also it's an opportunity to do some self-citing. Oh. So if appropriate and if is that possible. Eth- is that ethical? Um, as, long, as, long as, as long as it's appropriate. So if I was to cite my coplanar symmetric E2E measurements on argon mm-hmm. Ugh, that sounds during horrible. an AFM paper, mm-hmm. I think think that's probably a little unethical so you didn't do it no but i did find ways in this paper to cite a lot of my calibration work and i, I feel fairly comfortable in actually doing that i mean most of the work i cited was it was all afm work so i thought it was fairly relevant mm. so you have to be a little careful good but that's they're my my points for how to publish old research that's not necessarily your own yeah good schmoop sir any other bits of advice schmoop yeah, I think, well, I've gone through this process with Chris twice now and something that I really had to learn was you really have to put perfectionism to one side, <laughs> which is yeah. something I, I have trouble with, with in my own work because whatever you've got is what you've got. Mm. And so in one way it's limiting because you always want like, well, what if we just had this other piece of data? But you don't want to do any experiments, mm. but then that's, so it's limiting in that way, but then it's freeing that this is what I've got. I str- construct the narrative around these bits of results and we, and we have to make it work. Mm. Um, 
Mm, that's a good point. It is freeing in a way because you absolutely know that the very core of the experiments you aren't going to do anymore. Uh, and then I, I think that uh, I've, I've been involved with the converting a few other honors projects into papers and it's very important that you really trust the person who obtained the data in the first place. Mm, that's true. So here Chris could right. actually go back and uh, see the raw data. Mm. Um, not that we ever didn't trust Ash, but I have been involved in a few others where we've gone to write up someone's work, gone back to look at their Excel spreadsheets, and it looks as if they've mistakenly labelled some some <laughs> curves incorrectly because the data doesn't match up. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and so in those situations, we felt we then made the decision: perhaps if we can't trust this graph, how can we trust, we trust all the other yeah, graphs? Yeah, that's a good point. And so mm. those those were they actually have been canned at that stage every time that's happened. Oh wow. Yeah. And how much work had you put in up to that point? Quite a bit. Me? No, not that much. Oh, cool. So what's the longest you've ever waited in between collecting data and publishing? Wow. I'd have to think fairly closely about, fairly carefully about that. It might, it's probably about four or five years. All right. Would would be about the longest, I think, mm. uh, since experiments were done and paper published. Are you... Or sorry, it, the, the starting up the process of writing the yeah. paper. Are you obligated to talk about that time, the, that, that delay in publishing? Obligated? No, I don't think you're obligated to. No, I never have. I've never mentioned. Do that. you ever feel like you should and say, like, you know, this was collected so many years ago? Like, it's because I can honestly say it never crossed my mind. Yeah, <laughs> to say it, I think it's something that you fear being asked yeah, by a reviewer. Right. Yeah, yeah, I never, it never it's not really like occurred to me. It's to not honest. like when if a reviewer says, "Why don't you just do this one more experiment?" and you're like, "Well, I can't do it because." The instrument's gone. Yeah. Or the expertise is <laughs> the gone. The expertise oh, yeah. is gone. That's a real fear. Yeah, I agree. You can't yeah, say yeah. then, well, actually, all of those things were done five years ago. So it's really hard for me to do just that one more easy experiment. So if you've never thought about it, it says to me that your data isn't time sensitive. Like if I go back and do those exact same experiments today, I'll get the same result. Uh, yeah, I'd feel fairly confident. Yeah, that, yeah. That you would. I mean, the one thing I do check is to make sure that similar work has or work that's exactly the same hasn't been already published oh yeah of course if that's yeah. happened then you're in big trouble yeah yeah yeah, yeah well five five years is a long time in science it, it is it is and so it's very easy you know it's quite probable that that work i mean i definitely have some work i collected and i spent a bit of time on and simply too much time has elapsed mm. now and i don't think it would be remotely interesting and i mm. i would struggle to get it published anywhere i think yeah. so that's gone that yeah. data is this your napster paper napster <laughs> <laughs> This was a cantilever paper that I collected data on years ago. Yeah. It's just not going to happen now. Shreve, sir. Yeah. You said you didn't want to let perfectionism get in the way. Yes. But how, like, do you have to, do you have to accept that the science isn't actually that good? Yes. So, But surely you shouldn't be publishing if you don't think so it's very good. The science is in the scientific method yeah. of following all things. You just have to accept that that's not that good. Yeah. Uh, and but instead, you really need to rely on. I am answering a key science question here. Yeah. I trust that I've answered this key science question. Mm. Maybe I haven't answered all questions around it. Mm. But as long as you're answering this key science question and, and you have the data to back that up, you trust the person who collected the data. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that there's a place in science for that to be out there. Do you so, think we should have like a tiered? I guess we've already got it with the impact factor rate in the journals, but as in terms of like, like a, I really want everyone to know this level of like publication, and yeah. also, hey, I had this laying around and it felt like a waste <laughs> to not tell you. Yes, like does would that help? Well, with these ones, we are we have chosen journals where we're with a much lower. Um, impact requirement. Well, the, the impact factor is pretty good, but the the barrier to publish there is the access fee. <laughs> so you choose one with no acts, no payment. No, we're we're choosing one where where there would normally be a publication fee. This is starting to sound super dodge. <laughs> it's not. It's not dodgy. No, I mean, like in terms of this, it's just like in terms of the science. I get it. Like you've got stuff. You get, but the point where. You, you you approach people to say and say, hey, here's some money, and that money makes it more likely. Like it's not it's not a judgment yeah. on you; it's a judgment on yeah. the that that process that yeah. it should even come into the process. Yeah. I I've got money. You're more likely to accept my paper because you get five grand. Yeah. That's so weird. That's so dodgy to me. Yeah. It's broken. Yeah. Yeah. There's a break in the system. But yeah. my my perfect publishing idea of basically everyone has their own Wikipedia page, mm. everything goes up free online. Mm. This type of data still would deserve to be placed on my Wikipedia page of of, sure. the, of research I've done. Yeah. yeah, and so if I if I would put it on my Wikipedia page of research, then it deserves to be published somewhere. Mm. I mean, the fact of the matter is not all not all data is going to be nature worthy. I mean, that's, no. that's the reality. So so there are different gradations of, of data. I mean, yeah. we, we all accept that. That's why, you know, you, you might try for a really good journal at the start and then you eventually have to accept that it's going to go somewhere with a much lower impact factor. Mm. That's just the way it is. And mm. so not every set of experiments you're going to do is, is destined for nature. In fact, statistically, it's probably none of it is. Yeah. Given how hard it is to publish in those journals. Oh, it's, I, felt, it's, I felt the sadness rise. It, that's 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 the realism, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's why the main you know, one of the main points I have is you've got to be realistic about where can this go. Yeah. Let's send our next one to nature. Let's send our the next, next one paper. to nature. Yeah. Our next section is science. This where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity. And this week the activity is quite fitting because Cameron started with an awkward handshake mm-hmm. and we're talking about this week it is awkward conversations yes. <gasps> an everyday activity for me definitely. yeah oh really yeah actually uh, well i guess it was for me maybe yeah anyway yes oh, it is an it everyday must activity be for you. yeah it must be you must be it's not awkward for me yeah you don't feel cons- awkward no no you don't feel awkward but no. everyone else does but so that doesn't mean it's not an awkward conversation yeah it's That's still true. awkward for everyone else yeah so it still counts yeah. that's why i started a podcast i mean all Make your conversations must be just riddled with awkwardness so awkward given the topic especially how close i'm a close talker yeah i get really close to people and i'm like oh there's that and a few other things as well what yeah, religion just, are you um you have to cut that out schmoopster yep Let's go. You mean to go first? Yeah, go on, mate. All right. All right. Have All you right. Brought, have you got any science in yours, Chris? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. Okay, that's a note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, don't even ask him because there's never any science. <laughs> but that's your thing. That's what you're known for. <laughs> All right. The feeling of awkwardness, such as those derived from conversations, mm-hmm. are byproducts 
of the biochemical processes in the brain. Ooh. Nice. So in a study by psychologists from the University of Michigan uh, and some other universities in the US, it's been theorized that social missteps activate regions in the brain um, and so these light up or these are used in awkward situations. And so these are the somatosensory cortex and the dorsal posterior insula. Oh, the old Where are they? Yeah. Front, forward, back, side, left, so, up, down? Um, they're kind of in the middle on the left, like okay. center left. Yeah. And one's kind of a bit backish. Yeah. Good. Is that helpful? That really helps, yeah. But more than those rubbish names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. So yeah. these are the areas of the brain that actually also are responsible for physical pain. And so that's why, like, ah, when you're in an awkward situation, you, you kind of feel this oh, shudder. Yeah. And it's because it's those same areas of the brain that are responding. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it's all neural pathways within the brain that kind of uh, control how it feels. The old yeah. neural pathway. Neural pathway. Know it well. And the thing that modulates these neurons in those in these specific areas of the brain is oxytocin. Oh, all right. So that's the love attachment chemical, isn't it? It is as well, yes. Mm. And so if you want someone to not feel awkward while you're having a conversation with them, you want their brain to have a large amount or at least a very good amount of oxytocin flowing through it. You don't want it to have a deficit of oxytocin mm. or else they'll be much more likely to feel awkward during the conversation so you kiss them beforehand to make them love you well so i don't think a kiss is necessarily going to get that going no the way have you ever kissed me no i haven't you know that you'd remember <laughs> <laughs> you don't forget kissing smoothie yeah yeah look mate i kiss so well that oxytocin would be flooding out of you it would be dripping out of you so there's there's many different You're ways right to ignore that. You guys are just making my next segment perfectly. Many different impact. ways to increase the amount of oxytocin in someone. Yeah. Ooh. And so in women, um, estrogen actually is responsible for a lot of the oxytocin that goes through. All right. Um, and so one of the metamorphoses that occur during childbirth actually is the release of a lot of oxytocin for attachment. Uh, attachment. It also helps with breastfeeding as well. Okay. Hmm. And Smoopy, you'll you'll want to know this that there's also quite an increase in the same hormone in men as well around childbirth. Yeah, you'll start lactating. Yeah, it helps with bonding with the child. And so there's a number of uh, chemical drugs, chemical drugs, <laughs> drug chemicals, drug chemicals, yeah. molecules, molecules. Yeah, uh, that you can purchase to also increase the oxytocin level. And one of them is called estradiol, Ooh. and this can be delivered in a mist spray. So think yes. of think of a, a nasal spray or a ventilator for the like the how the asthma medication yep. works, or think of that machine in Batman Begins. Yeah, you lost me. Yep, I mean, uh, where they add a drug to the whole town's water supply, okay, and then they mystify it, and then everyone in the town goes crazy. They oh. use a micro. They use a microwave emitter they stole from the army. All right. And so my idea is we set up in whenever I'm about to have a conversation with someone, I have this mystifier. Uh, mystifier. <laughs> the mystifier. The mystifier set off. And so now this person is less likely to feel awkward uh, during my conversation. But they'll start to love you and feel attachment. I guess that helps, doesn't it? That's good. Yeah. 
So there's been some neuroeconomic experiments on using intranasal delivery of uh, oxytocin, hmm. and they found that it increased people's generosity in the ultimatum game by eighty oh, percent. Yeah, okay. So intranasal or intranasal? Uh, na- yeah, they push it right <laughs> you into to, your belly button. Have to get it in there, the belly button. <laughs> I hope I said intranasal. Oh, I'm sure it was but, navel. Uh, that will work as well. Why not? Yeah. I'd put every your belly button would be lovely to put stuff in, Gibbo. Mm, thanks. And so the ultimatum game, do you, you have you know what that is, Chris? No, I don't. In the ultimatum game, one person is the proposer and the other person is the responder. Mm-hmm. So the proposer gets given a set amount of money, say $100, and they then need to propose a split with the other person. And the other person can either agree or disagree. If mm. they agree, they the split occurs. If they disagree, they both get nothing. Oh, yeah. So I can propose to you, Chris, hey, Chris, I've got this $100. I'll give you $50. i will take 50 And then you can choose between, yes, let's do it, or no, no one gets anything. I want all of it. So no, we don't get anything. Okay, so but now I spray you with oxytocin and you're much more likely to agree no, to my proposal. No, I still, I still <laughs> want all of it. All right. If I can't have all of it, then we have none. So you've got no oxytocin in your brain. That explains a lot. Andy. <laughs> yes. You never feel awkward, so you nope. must be absolutely flooded with it. I am, yeah. Can you smell it on me? I'm going to offer you $10 and I'll take $90. You get $10, I get $90. Where did the money come from? Um, I stole it from an old lady. Yeah, I'll take some. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you stole it from an old lady. Yeah, that's right. If he earned it, you wouldn't want it. <laughs> I'd want his 90 <laughs> So, right. oxytocin, other, so it's also a, is linked to trust, romantic attraction, sexual attraction, and increasing eye contact during conversation. Oh, it covers everything. Another tough one for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I, to eliminate awkward conversations, I'm going to make the other person never feel awkward. Brilliant. Love it. So, that means you can say whatever you want. Yeah. All sorts of... Uh, yeah. Embarrassing people, rubbish. So I can, we can have a bad handshake, and I'll go, "Ooh, that was a gross handshake," and you would be like, "You just a giggle, wave it off." You're like a giggle and go, yeah. I like the way that you're going around with this pump action spray thing, and like if anything <laughs> awkward happens, you just like, bro, like pepper spraying <laughs> in people's. How face. are you going like, to deliver it so the person <laughs> doesn't know that you're delivering it? You know, in the movie Dumb and Dumber, yeah. how he goes to put mouse brain and he accidentally sprays <laughs> it out once. <laughs> I mean, I'll do that a lot. <laughs> I think people might get wise to that. <laughs> Why is Cameron constantly missing people when he puts in his mouth spray? <laughs> I love it, Cameron. I love it. Yeah, Good. All right, I guess. There we go. All right, my turn. Oh, dear. Yeah. So. When do things get the most awkward? Oh, you're going to do the same as me, aren't you? I've got a bad when feeling. When Andy's around. When, when I'm around. Oh. Or when you're having a first date with me. Oh. Right? First dates are the perfect place for awkward conversation. Oh, my God. How awkward would it be for someone to go on a first date with you? I don't know. Ask Kate. Yeah. 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 I'll bet she says it's awkward. Um, so... I looked online and I was like, okay, I wonder what things you can and can't say on a first date. So I'm mm. going to try a few of these out on you and you tell me if they're awkward or not. Uh, this All is right? different to what I thought it'd be. All yeah. right, Gibbo, who in your family do you like the most? Would I consider that awkward? Yeah. I probably would, yeah. Well, it says here that talking about family is fine. Yeah, yeah, family's good as long as you're not talking about which one's the favourite. Yeah, see, this is where I get confused. Anyway, <laughs> all right, I'll go with Cameron. Cameron... Yes. What music makes you horny? 
Awkward. All oh, right. See, like here it says I can talk about music, uh, and yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So this but does is... it say sexual arousal is fine? Uh, no. On the bad side, it says I'm not allowed to talk about politics, religion, finances, marriage, children, physical attributes, or exes. I think so it's that confusing. no matter what the topic is, because you're so skilled, you'll be able to find a way to make it awkward. All right. How about this one? This is something I'm allowed to talk about: travel. All right. Yeah, I pre- so I, I predict you'll make this awkward. All right, let's try it. When you're traveling, Gibbo, mm-hmm. do you ever get when you fall asleep on an aeroplane? Do you ever get a phantom erection? <laughs> That's awkward. See, I don't understand. It's travel. Anyway, so this is my point. <laughs> a phantom, like yeah. an erection I don't Ooh. realize has happened. <laughs> yeah, like you wake up and you're like, oh, how long's that been? Right. Um. Anyway, so you can't stop awkwardness, no matter ah. what the internet. Okay. says right yep you can't stop someone like me can you stop it with oxycontin oxytocin Contin, that's <laughs> that's an addictive drug i think <laughs> um but so what i was like is like what you can do is deal with it ah. so i cannot identify awkward conversations or i find it hard to so it's really up to everyone else in the room to just deal with it and well you're saying it's their fault not your it's fault it's their fault Mm, okay. Yeah. So my point is that with yours, I I have to be the one go. Oh, it's going to turn awkward. Spray. Uh-huh. Right. This is empowering the people that have to be in the same room as me. All right. So I went on and I found an invention, an invention Ooh. for this. It's called Leaf. <laughs> leaf. Leaf. Okay. So it's called Leaf. Does that stand for something? Yeah. Sure. And <laughs> it sticks under your heart. So it's a little tiny like thing that sticks on your chest underneath your yeah your like breast your heart yeah did like you just you say said earlier breast breast, breast. <laughs> your brass are you awkward saying the word breast Shh, you're awkward of, saying anything else huge amounts no, of awkwardness <clears throat> sit under your breast and uh, so what it does is it provides you with with feedback on when your heart is beating fast. Mm-hmm. And what it does is that thing then vibrates and it goes, hey, chill out. You're starting to get awkward and anxious. And so what it does is it encourages you to take three minutes to breathe along with your heart to slow your heart down. Now you're thinking, Andy, that's rubbish. That wouldn't work, aren't you? I am, yes. There's data. There was a 140% improvement in three minutes of wow. doing this, this conscious breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the device is scientifically validated and the biofeedback exercises have been used by doctors, psychologists, and coaches for decades. Mm. So we're talking about a little bit of a meditation, right? Thoughtful br- for breathing, whatever. Uh, it's safe, drug f- drug-free, and has improved stress, mood, and focus for thousands of people. So you can buy this. Wow. Can I, maybe I missed something. So I'm in a room. Yeah. You're talking about phantom boners on planes. Yeah. And I'm wearing the leaf. Yeah. I notice that I'm getting a little bit anxious anxious and awkward. Yeah. And so I just say, okay, he'll stop talking about phantom boners soon yeah just breathe through it and he'll be quiet that's right it's that's, like pregnant it's happening? like giving birth you just breathe through the awkwardness <laughs> okay that's right. i mean I don't, i've never given birth but so I it's up to like the person feeling awkward to deal well to deal with their own awkwardness this is where i've improved it 
Oh, okay. So how, like here we're saying um, they have to breathe themselves, right? What I'm doing is I'm putting a pipe in everyone's mouth, right? That goes uh-huh. from, and what I do is Perfect. imagine it's like a little octopus, right? I do, I've got <laughs> Why like, not a big octopus? <laughs> so I've got like this tube. It starts with what my, goes to my mouth. And it like dis- it goes off onto different like one goes to Chris and then it spans oh, off goes to someone else. We're like all Laura sharing and you, them. You're all sharing, yeah. So like if I'm talking, <laughs> I'm like, oh, noticed I've made everyone a bit awkward, right? Everyone just we take three minutes. Everyone puts the tube in their mouth, and I we all breathe together. So we stop oh. conversation. <laughs> everyone in the room stops. Yeah, you somehow put pipes in our mouths, no, and you, it's connected to your yeah. mouth. Yeah, and, and I you, we all breathe. Huh? We all. Breathe. <sighs> and I, we, I was asking you, Smoopy, how are you going to dispense your, can't your we, drug? And, and Andy's he's yeah. putting pipes in people's mouths. Can't we just use the hot air coming out of your mouth? Oh, oh zing. Burn. Burn. <laughs> burn. I, don't know if, I don't know if the whip noise works there, but he got you good then, mate. That's, he got you right. good. Look, I know when I'll be got. Yeah, you got beaten. And then. I got got. Well done, but I'm just well saying. Done. Are you going any further with this? No, as far as I got. But I'm saying <laughs> that there's some proper science involved, guys, this time. And it works. I just made it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. You're really lucky that your whole thing for science this is being rubbish. This what was if, a good one. Thank what you. if there was a. Everyone's leaf was connected to an app? Oh yeah, and then as soon it sends as, it to me. Yeah, as soon as someone someone's feeling awkward, yeah, everyone's phone vibrates. Yeah, and then everyone in the in the conversation just then realizes. Well, the, no, it's just changed the subject time. Yeah, so someone's not feeling comfortable. Change yeah. the subject. Yeah, how about that? But yeah, I, I, fine, fine. But he's always going to be saying awkward things. So the conversations are going to be be constantly changing. All right, look, there's another one here. Uh, let's have a look. <laughs> Movies. Right, first date conversation, movies. Yeah. Right. How can you kind of make that awkward? What <laughs> character would you most like to watch in the shower? Oh, um, awkward. See, I can't help myself. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Just hang on. So I imagine you really enjoying the wet man underneath <laughs> Kermit, <laughs> like, <laughs> completely clothed. <laughs> Oh, uh, damn you. Anyway. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what to say about that, except uh, you've brought pretty well the same quality you usually bring, Andy. Mate, I've got science this week. No worries. All right. What makes conversations awkward? Me. You do. But it's also the silences. Oh, yeah. Did you feel that awkward there? Did you feel that? It got a little bit awkward just at the end. It it flared up. So uh, there's been a Dutch study in 2011 in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. Andy, breathe into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You, drug people with Oxycontin. Yeah, and I'll breathe into them. Oh, um, anyway, not oxycontin. Stop oxytocin. What was it again? Oxytocin. Oxytocin. Oh, brilliant! Don't belittle my idea by <laughs> deliberately saying something wrong. Yeah, uh, that was not deliberate. I, I generally get things wrong. Can we? All the time. Can we have see how long? Side. Oh no, I guess because we know each other now, right? And we are expecting it, but I'm always interested in running the experiment of how long can people handle the silence when you're new. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like with a new group of friends, if there is a 
dead. It's like, I wonder who's going to break this and I wonder what they're going to say. But haven't you already noticed tonight there were awkward silences because we were out there having dinner and you said something sexual and then there was a really long, awkward silence? Look, I just think and that... I remember I counted it down. Do yeah. you know why I did that? Why? Because of the Dutch study done in 2011 published in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology that said awkward silences are particularly disturbing if they disrupt the conversational flow. For how long? Four seconds, they reckon. Wow. That's all you need. Four seconds. It depends on how well people know each other. Exactly what you said was exactly correct. For new people, four seconds is usually typically enough to cause awkwardness. Mm. And that produces a whole chemical cascade in people's brains. They feel insecure. I can't remember the name of the the chemicals that get produced in your brain that... um, that induce stress and things like that. I can't mm. remember it now, but it does. They've, they've studied this. So that's why long pauses cause awkward conversations. So the question is, how do we avoid long pauses in conversations? Just always have an idea of what you're going to say. Just never stop speaking. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. So having someone like Andy around in that sense is very, very good because you can just keep all keep that talking. diarrhea just pours yep. out of you constantly. Verbal but diarrhea. The problem is what you're saying <laughs> is full of awkwardness all the time. Oh, So, so even though the, the, the air is full of noise, yeah. there is, there's awkwardness there as well. Yeah, shit. So um, one thing, the other thing they did was, so you were talking about oxy, oxytocin. Yes. Yeah. The, what they studied was endorphins, which are kind of pleasure-producing chemicals, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. I think an endorphin, I think, is a family of hormones. Yeah, okay, yeah. And what they found was that there are certain topics that induce endorphins, endorphin rushes in people. And you kind of touched on it a bit yourself. Oh, thank um, you. BA, so I'll, I'll give you a shout-out there. Yeah. One of them, what was the first one you talked about? It was family? Yeah, so these are the so what you want the things that people can talk about. Yeah. So travel, pets, hobbies, profession, family, music, and movies. Okay. Well that, that might cover some of these. The ones they studied to see what the endorphin response was was family, yep. occupation, recreation, yep. and, and dreams. Apparently people like talking about their dreams. Oh, so I've got a question then. Oh Lord. So who in your dream, did you last have sex with? Uh, my wife. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but Cameron, you're not I'm, I'm married, a- Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Boring. Go. You're all boring. Yeah. Anyway, so they're the four ones they studied and they did see significant um, endorphin rushes yeah. uh, from those, those topics. Um, so... If you're the one talking and you notice an awkward pause coming up, they're the topics you can go to. Like I said, 100% of people will have something to say about these topics and they will feel an endorphin, endorphin rush. Oh, but family. Well, I mean, you're, you're quite right in the sense you did actually manage to find a way to make it awkward, which yeah. is impressive. I mean, Thank I you. think that really shows showcases your what is almost a gift. Yeah. I'd your ability to make any topic topic awkward. So most people wouldn't say like, "Who's your favourite member of your family?" Most people would say, "Tell me about your family." Do you have kids? Something like that. Exactly like that. That's what most normal people. Any would of do. your relatives die in young age? Well, no, no, no. That's not what you'd do. And that's that would keep the awkward pauses to a minimum, if at all. And yeah. that would keep conversations non-awkward. Gibson out. Boom. 
Chris's kids have questions about the world. Chris's kids have questions about, about the, world. the world. Chris's kids have questions about, about the, the world. world. Um, so good. this is a good. new segment where really Chris's kids have questions about the world. <laughs> and uh, Shauna and Keelan have asked questions. Yep. yep. And we're going to try to answer them uh, in our most uh, accessible and kid-friendly way. Mm. And the kids are excited to hear our answers. Good. They're, they're, they're asking Good. about it. Yeah. So the first question is from Shauna. Well, the first set of questions are from Shauna. And the first question is, When the universe ends, will we come back alive in a different form or in human form? That's a doozy. Who's taking that one? Well, I really like the fact that she's sure that we're all going to come back alive. <laughs> and so I, I like how that's not part of the question. So that's just happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, so that's nice and positive of her. Uh, so I didn't. I don't have an answer for when will the universe end. I have an answer for will we look the same. And so my answer for will we look the same is no. Mm. So humans look like this from because of a almost infinitesimal number. No, sorry. Infinite. I'm speaking to small children. Yeah. We look like this because of many different chances occurred along the way. And along the way, each of these different chances could have gone another way. And so if, if even one of these small... Um, far out. Stop saying chances. <laughs> if even one of these chances went a different way, we would look completely different. And so yeah. if the universe began again, mm-hmm. the odds of us looking exactly the same are zero. Yeah. And so this universe on this Earth, we're carbon-based as well, and it may be in another universe that that even just the fundamental building blocks of life are completely different. But I, all right, let me throw a curly one in there. Go on. What if we're living in a simulation? What if? Well, then, if the universe ends, can't they bring us back as just some push. sort of program? Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Shauna, what a doozy? Yeah, good one. All right, Shauna also asked, how many different forms of matter are there? I'll field this one. Go on, uh, then. BA. Uh, there is, of course, solid. One. Liquid. Two. Gas. Three. And plasma. Four. Which is very, very, very hot gas. Like lightning. Lightning's a form of plasma. Very Ooh. good. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. I got one more. What's that? Bose-Einstein condensates. Oh, he's been looking on the web. Yeah. So and that's actually a form of matter. Well, I, I, I was not aware so. of that. So apparently, so what it is, is um, you take atoms down to incredibly low temperature to the point where the molecular motion comes to very close to stopping altogether. Mm -hmm. And since there's no kinetic energy being transferred from atom to atom, atom, the atoms start to clump together to Mm -hmm. form a super atom. That's a Bose-Einstein condensate. Very good. Well, I learned something new there. And liquid crystal? Is that a state? Yes. Oh my so it's God. Neither, Why do we not know this? So a this liquid is crystal a, is neither a liquid nor a solid. It's somewhere in between. So there is some order like a solid, but it's not completely ordered. And it's not random like a liquid, but it's a little bit random. So what, it's what about, in between the two. And what about a non-Newtonian solid? Isn't that a different kind of matter as well now I think about it? You know, the ones where you apply force to it and it hardens. Yeah. Is that seven forms of matter we've just come up with? We've come up with. It, we came up with this. 
And perhaps most interesting of all, what's dark matter? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Well, dark matter is rubbish. That's for sure. So, Shauna, there's at least seven or eight. Can you really say that something exists when you haven't experimentally observed it? It's simply a remainder and equation, basically. Like your sex appeal. And yet it's amazingly real, <laughs> just like dark matter, <laughs> which I now believe in. All right, next one. Wow. Shauna also asks, which I really like, when you cry, can you save the tears and drink them? I did think of the both of you when she said this, yeah. Why? Because we cry? No, no, because I thought you'd both find this amusing. Oh, I like it. Let me feel this one. So there's actually a name for collecting tears. Ooh. What is it? I can't really say it. I think it's... What? Well, is it rude? Lacrimatory. <laughs> oh. Lacrematory. Lacrematory. Uh, so this is someone who collects their tears. That is the name for tear collecting, yeah. So it's called lacrimatory. <laughs> And there's actually a name for it. As seems it's strange, the Roman times they used to uh, collect tears, and it, tear bottles were really popular in Roman times, and they would collect them in sad times like funerals and put them into the tombs of the people who had died out of a symbol, like a to respect oh, them. Okay. Mm. So the question is: Is could you drink Roman tears? And tears are what. Sad and salty. Mm, they mm-hmm. are. They are. So the question is, are they salty enough to cause you harm? Ooh. I don't know the answer to that. So if you B-A? drink seawater... Yeah, not good. It's not good. Mm. Because what the salt draws the liquid out from your body mm-hmm. and you dehydrate quicker. Oh, very good. Now, I didn't find an answer to this. Mm. So my question... My, I was trying to find the limit at which humans would not be able to survive on a certain salinity, so the amount of salt in water. Mm -hmm. And I could come up with this. You can drink your urine. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But no one... Was a separate search? It was, yeah. That was just for the whole... That was just for my hobby. Just ignore that one, Sean. Yeah. So, Sean... Remember we're trying to explain this to a child. You can drink... drink your urine, Sean. You can drink your pee... (laughs) And no, you can survive don't on it to Uncle Andy. for longer than yeah. your tears. Oh, really? Oh, very good. That was what I essentially found out. Because okay. tears are saltier than urine. I assume that you could you could drink your tears as long as you didn't imbibe too much. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, are you sure that the salt in the tear is sodium chloride and not like another type of salt? Which oh, we, I, we do would you know I didn't make a distinction. I was like, if it's like. A salt could be it was, yeah yeah it could be all sorts mm. well i don't know if that's bad for you either i mean everything has a toxic limit yeah even uh, water but there's not just salts there's also um more proteins. of these proteins and hormones in tears oh wow, oh, wow. and so yeah. apparently when you cry from emotional pain you have more hormones in your tears than say if you were crying from physical pain that's like cool. cutting onions yeah and one of these proteins you oh, another word i can't quite say Leucine encephalin Ooh. is a natural painkiller. So you so, could become numb. So you could become you a superhero. Dr- if you drink your tears, it can make you feel better. There you go, Shauna. So all those times you see daddy crying, collect the tears. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. That was interesting. I like that one. Well done, Shauna. That yeah, was, was excellent. Um, yeah, very good. Shauna also asked, Can a TV record and hear your voices when you're 
looking at the TV. So as someone who does not understand technology, Chris, you can uh, sit this one out. Yeah, I was hoping you guys could come up with a good answer for this. So uh, for me, I know that there's smart TVs and smart TVs do sometimes have a camera in it. If they have a camera, it means they have a microphone, which means that if someone wanted to, they could get access to this microphone and record you. Now, I don't know how common that is. So don't be Mm -hmm. scared, Shauna, because no one wants to see your daddy sat watching uh, TV in his underwear eating Doritos. Mm. Right? You'd be surprised. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a fetish for everyone. Mm, Exactly. So there was a report from 2015 of a a brand of televisions who were using voice activation. Yeah. And so you would say, TV on, TV, go to channel 9. Our telly's got voice activation. Okay. And your telly's probably from about 2015. Yeah. Uh, And so these TVs, for quality control, they were keeping recordings so that they would know... Then, like, what what's our TV missed, or is our TV uh, listening to voice properly? And so, the these and this was all part of the agreement that you have to click on when you when you start the TV. To say like, yeah, this is fine. I agree to everything. There is a chance that the voices on those televisions could have been recorded for quality control purposes. I always Weird. agree to everything on those things. Uh, and more recently, uh, a few brands of smart TVs can be hacked. So if you have a smartphone and you use like a uh, an app as a remote, so like a Google, like Google Cast, Chromecast, or something, does that have an app as a remote? Uh, I, I have I think I think most TVs actually offer this. Oh, really? in case okay. you lose, in case in case you lose your actual remote, you can just use your, use phone, your phone instead. Int- yeah, right. Absolutely. And so people, and then those apps on your on phones were easily hackable at like cafes and other public Wi-Fi addresses. So they would hack your phone. And then you would take it back, connect it up to your TV to use it as a remote, and then they would hack the television through that way. Ooh. But they, from there, they were only getting um, information on what you watched. Yeah, so yeah. I don't really mind that much, but maybe Chris would be a little bit embarrassed by the amount of children's television shows that he watched. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Oh, good. So, Shauna, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, be afraid, my daughter. Be afraid, be very afraid. Um, now we're going to switch to Keelan. Uh, Keelan's all have a common theme. Yeah, so maybe... maybe I think, I think s- our listeners can work this out, Chris. Yeah, you let's see how the theme works <laughs> out. concerns me slightly. Uh, the first question is... Can you make five with computers? I would, I would say yes. I would say yes, you can send a signal via the interweb to some sort of device and that could flick a switch and that could start a fire, I guess. Well, I think you can just make a computer overheat like you can oh, run yeah, it you at too, like maximum you? processing speed to the point where if it you, just catches yeah, a light clo- if you clock it overclock it overclock <laughs> it that's right that's what i said. well there's reports of say lithium-ion batteries catching fire yeah. for oh, some yeah. particular brands yeah so does that. he want make fire or does he just want can you set it on fire I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure he's he's really sure about that himself. Okay, but yes, you can make a fire, and yes, a, t- a computer can be lit on fire. <laughs> there but you no, go, you should not do it unless you're under strict supervision by an, eight, an eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> don't do it at all, my son, at all. Uh, Keelan says, "Can you make fire with metal?" Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So some metals are particularly um, reactive. So something like 
sodium yep. or potassium or rubidium metal. Mm-hmm. Um, all they want to do is to react. And all you can do is if you just drop them in water, they mm-hmm. will immediately create fire. Yep, absolutely. Very good. Perfect. Keelan asks, and this is our last question. Can you make fire with T-shirt? I mean, you, obviously you can use a T-shirt as fuel for a fire. What about if you rubbed, rubbed it a T-shirt really had like a washing motion fast enough to set it alight? I, I suppose that would actually be possible if it was dry enough. I'd like to see it. Maybe a Hessian T-shirt. Like one of the hippie ones? Yeah. Wouldn't be comfortable. It'd be quite scratchy. Uh, yeah. But I think that a Hessian T-shirt rubbed really hard would go up in flames when i first moved to adelaide it was a heat wave and i hung out my clothes on the line and 10 minutes later i went out to get them and they were boiling hot yeah i think it can happen there must we must have something in our labs i say our labs you get me um (laughs) where that moves or vibrates stuff really quick surely we could test this there must be some sort of test for this schmoopy it's up to you come on schmoopster Set you, that you, T-shirt on you fire. You buy me a Hessian shirt and I'll light her on fire. All right. So, uh, like Keelan, it. yes, you can. Yeah. So, Keelan, well done. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thanks. The, the kids will be really excited to hear those answers. Chris's kids had questions about the world. Chris's kids had questions about the world. Chris's kids had questions about the world. Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Voicerom. Go check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app, like our Facebook page, join the forum. Any man on it. Any on it. And leave us a review on wherever you get this podcast because that helps a lot. Cameroon. You were just listening to Published Publisher Podcast and it was brought to you this week by our future sponsor, Leaf. Get your heart rate checked. Find out when you're awkward. Leaf. And breathe. Final farewell. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.